Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. Today, we're talking to Shannon Carpenter. He has been a stay-at-home dad since 2008. He's also a humor writer trained through the famous Second City. Red Book has named Shannon Carpenter as one of America's adventure dads, and BuzzFeed has recognized him as one of the funniest women of the week in 2020, (laughs) which is really weird because Shannon is not a woman. His new book is The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad, Your Essential Manual for Being an Awesome Full-Time Father, a manual on day-to-day parenting filled with direct and actionable advice sourced from Carpenter's Life and over 50 stay-at-home dads nationwide. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. We're hoping to find you to be the funniest woman we've ever met. (laughs) I am hilarious as a woman. (laughs) So there are about 2 million stay-at-home dads in the United States right now. Is that about right? Give or take. It's hard to pin a number down, but yeah. Well, you say in the book, it's actually because a lot of people don't identify as that. I mean, stay-at-home mothers don't either, but I think stay-at-home dads, there's a particular like, yeah, but I do this other thing too. Yeah. Once you have a side hustle, apparently you're not counted in the official numbers. Oh, And that's true for stay-at-home moms as well, by the way. And so for stay-at-home dads, it depends on where you look. The National At-Home Dad Org, they put primary caregivers of fathers at about 7 million. But officially, there's probably 2 million. So who knows? But we're talking generally about dads who spend a lot of time with their kids. Yes. How did you and your wife decide, Shannon, that you were going to become one of the stay-at-home dads out there? So, yeah, this is a question I get a lot because everyone's like, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? So... I had a 15-month-old daughter, and every morning I was going to work. And me and my wife both worked professional jobs. We both went to an office. She's in advertising. I was an elder abuse investigator. And then we got pregnant with our second – or not we. She did. I was there, though. It was very fun. And so, (laughs) I started realizing we were just in this rut. Every day, I would just get up, go to work, come home, and put her to bed by 8 o'clock. And I wasn't getting any time with her or my family. And I didn't like that. So, with our, our second one, I joked with her. I said, I think maybe someone should stay home. And I said it. And then we started looking at numbers and ability and things like that. And then I said, I think it should be me. And I, it was a joke. Honest to God, it was a joke at first because it never entered my head. And then I looked at the numbers even more and I said, oh, it should be me. Like, no doubt it should be me. Hmm. She's in advertising. So, her career track was a lot bigger. And I was had a good career and I was making good money and I was moving up to the state level and those things were good, but it was not what I wanted for my family. 
And that's truly how it started. And that was it. That was the decision. And how did you feel about it? I remember probably 20 years ago meeting my first day at home dad Mm -hmm. and really having thoughts of like, what? A dad? I mean, it has changed. I know. I feel like it is something that is becoming a little bit more common. But was it something that you had reservations about in terms of identity? You know, not as far as my own masculinity goes, because, and this is one of the things I think it made me better. I was always very comfortable of who I was. Mm. And I knew that no one gets to define my masculinity other than me. Like, it's not a debate that I anybody gets to weigh in on. Now, with that said, though, I had trouble at first with my own self-worth. And I think that's where a lot of men come into. You know, we measure our self-worth by the paycheck, you know, by the job title. And I lost those things. And that took me a couple of years to kind of not only come to terms with it, but actually embrace it and know what my self-worth is. So, yeah, it was hard. Interesting. Let's talk about some of the assumptions that people make about stay-at-home dads, you know, when you're out in the world by yourself, because I think there's extremely positive and extremely negative connotations, right? And you get them all. So let's talk about what are some of the reactions that stay-at-home dads get? You know, the funny thing is, is the typical misconception is the, you know, Mr. Mom. And, And don't call us Mr. Mom. I don't call anybody Mrs. Dad. Let's not do that. <laughs> we have an expression on the podcast, which is the oldie locks alert. Mr. Mom originated with a, I believe, Michael Keaton movie in the 80s. From the 80s. From the 80s. Right. That's an oldie locks alert right there, people. Back in my day. And I had a question about that, too. Like when you talk about Mr. Mom on the first page of your book, which is, of course, like the first stereotype that leaps to mind for most of us as a stay at home dad. And it's like, it's adorable. He's wearing an apron. He can't do anything like bumbling idiot. <laughs> Right at home, overwhelmed. Yes. And it's really interesting to me that that has not been updated as a cultural touchstone, right? Like that's what everybody thinks of as a stay at home dad, and it has not been updated since the 80s? No, and it hasn't. They either think that I'm super effeminate, you know, or I'm a moron. Like I can't be just a good dad. Like there's no in between. It's the Homer Simpson right. dad. And the truth of it is, I could go out and chop wood and build decks and redo a bathroom. I can do all that. I can also bake one heck of a mm. tart, you know? I can decorate a cake and I can sew a pillowcase. I don't have to be confined <laughs> to those kind of stereotypes. And that's what I usually, what people normally think when they think of the stay I think dad. they also think either like, oh, you're babysitting, you're helping your wife in yes. this very specific way, or you are an angel sent from Jesus's rainbow. Like yep. both of those two things also come into it, which are equally absurd. It is. And I'm glad you bring that up because we're going to break this down a little bit because the idea that I'm helping mom or that I'm babysitting, it's not true. I'm parenting, right? And you see a lot of this, like, why don't moms get more help? And I'm like, that's not the issue. You need to frame it as why dad isn't pulling his weight. And there, I said it, you know, <laughs> that's just the way it should be. And then, the, like you said, the flip side, and this is a true story, I'll tell you, that when I go out by myself, I always get, are you babysitting? Or I get oh, you're so brave for taking them to the store. And I'm like, it's the store. It's not brave. <laughs> and I know, right? <laughs> so I mean, you're also, that, depending though, on the day, still very brave for taking them to the store. It could go real wrong in there, people. It could. And so those are the type of things that I get. But if I'm by myself, like at a, let's say a playground, right? Then you're seen as almost a predator. And even when you look your best and everything else like that. So those can be kind of, disconcerting. That's interesting. It's like, what is this dude doing at the playground? Because they don't necessarily connect you. I've had this experience before where people have said like, 
who is that guy at the playground? And then they connect him to a kid. And once they understand you're with a kid, it's fine. But until then, you're like a dude lurking around the playground. It is. People don't necessarily think like, oh, you're just another person here with their kid. And we've had dads that have been confronted and yelled at and had the cops call them and those that happens. But I'm part of a dad's group. And that's where it changes. When I go out with my dad's group, now we're these unicorns. Yeah. And that's where the other part of it is it's like, oh, look at these brave men. And again, right. not brave, just got a stroller, man. Like we've stopped <laughs> and taken pictures with moms and I could never figure it out. So that's what it's really like. <laughs> Can I ask about that? Because I think like sitting on the outside as a stay-at-home mom, and when we joke about that on the podcast, of course, like you know, I can take my three kids on vacation and have flown by them, you know, gone through security, whatever, and not even gotten a second glance from anybody. But if I like get up to go to the bathroom and I come back and, you know, and my yeah. husband, this is when my kids were little, of course, was with all three of them for, you know, 45 seconds. There's already like a crowd gathering to, you know, put garlands <laughs> around his neck, you know, for making him the father of the year. And we're always like, must be nice. But maybe it isn't so nice. Is it? What is it like to be on the receiving end of those? It's insulting. Exceedingly positive assumptions. It's insulting. Yeah, it is. It is insulting is, you know, I do some really cool stuff. Like I built a ballista with my children that you should applaud. That was what awesome. What is it, ballista? It's a giant crossbow that shoots arrows, you know, like <laughs> that I can do. That deserves applause. Yes. <laughs> but me just sitting with my kids in public, it's not any of those things. It's insulting. It means you think I'm an idiot. I'm going to push back and say that well, there's a happy medium between all of us where moms need a little more applause and dads need a little yes. less applause because I was... I pick up yesterday. My youngest is now nine and I just sit there and they come and jump in the car. And the woman next to me, tiny parking space, everyone's, you know, waiting for their kids. She backs the car in this tiny parking space and manages to get out now through her crowded two side doors, the infant car seat and an angry two year old and put them in. And she starts pushing the stroller because I'm waiting for my kid who's walking and she's got to walk to the school to get them. And I was like, She's someone hand this one a medal. She just did that, you know? <laughs> I think there's a medium where like we're recognizing that like some of this work is hard, yeah. but not so hard that, oh, dad gets a medal for just walking by. Yeah. And I think the truth of it is too, in, in the stay-at-home dad world, we know this. Moms are judged way more harsher than we are. Yeah. Like we get like a free reign on a lot of stuff. My kid could show up without pants. And it would still be cool. Like, oh, <laughs> ha ha. Isn't that adorable? Right. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but he put that cute bow in her hair. <laughs> now, the other stay-at-home dads are like, dude, get your stuff together, brother. <laughs> we need to work it out. <laughs> right. Now, you talk about this community of dads mm -hmm. who you have found. How did that process come about? So, Is it hard to find a network of stay-at-home dads? It used to be. It's not now. And in the book, I tell you how to do it. Back in 2008, and the way it really happened is I kept getting rejected from mom's groups. They wouldn't let me join at first. Um, <laughs> I know, right? And I get it. You know, we want to talk about episiotomies and breastfeeding. So, but I needed some adult interaction. So, I would basically tackle my wife when she would come home from work and just talk to her about the most boring stuff of what I did. That yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I made peanut butter and jelly. It was amazing. And one day she sat me down. She said, honey, you need to find friends. And I'm like, I'm trying. And then the next thing I know, the next day, I found a place called KC Dads. It was, a, it was a dad's group. And I went and I met him at the library. And I've been with the same core group of guys, five guys for 13 years. They're my best friends. And nowadays for dads, it's all organized through a group called City Dads Group out of New York. And they organize 41 different 
dad's groups across the country. It's, it's easy now. Go find a dad's group. Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit about what it looks like to be part of a dad's group. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trust Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Hyawas created the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, we're back. We're talking to Shannon Carpenter. He is the author of the new book, The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad. Shannon, you gave a bit of advice in this book for stay-at-home dads. It really made me laugh that if you want to make friends with a stay-at-home mom, because there's probably more of them at the playground, you want to ask for the email first, yes, not the phone number. So I thought that was funny. How do things go wrong when you're trying to sort of integrate yourself into a, a gender-mixed environment? You know, you got to really work hard not to come off as creepy. <laughs> so yeah. you got to like be put together, shave, don't stink. You've got to assume um, your default <laughs> mode is creepy. So you've got to crawl back from that. <laughs> It is. What do stay-at-home moms get wrong about this? Like, what do you wish, like, the, I don't know, the queen bee with the diaper bag, what do you wish she understood about how we can inadvertently exclude the men? So, we call that the wolf pack mom. That's what we call her. And, you know, here, here's the truth, right? I'm not trying to hit on anybody that comes up. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm usually covered in baby vomit, right? I do not feel attractive whatsoever. So that's with moms. If you see a stay-at-home dad that I'm talking to you, it's because I absolutely crave adult interaction, you know, 
and I'm just trying to be friendly and I'll crack some dad jokes and I'll, you know, do all that kind of thing. So I think that would help. And just to realize that we're really in the same boat with your podcast. And I've listened to a lot of it. You know, the things that you guys talk about, I relate to on a very specific level, you know, so we're in the same boat. I just, you know, don't have a chest. How's that? (laughs) I listened to a podcast that you should totally listen to, um, Homemade. There's an episode about ghosts. Really good episode. Anyway, there's one story in the episode that's about a stay-at-home dad named Steve who has a ghost. And I don't want to give too much of the episode away, but basically finds out that the ghost is really, it's a poltergeist. It's like doing things more when he's home alone with his daughter. And finally, he gets like a psychic to communicate with the ghost. Like, what is up with you, ghost? The ghost didn't like that he was a stay-at-home dad. There we go. Yeah. The ghost (laughs) is clearly like an old-fashioned person who's like, he shouldn't be alone with this daughter. And where did the mom go? Isn't that funny? And so he like, he talked to the ghost about it and they worked it out. Even ghosts have these prejudices. It's terrible. Yes, yes. I know. When you get ghost judgment, it's tough. (laughs) Right. When even ghosts don't like it. So you have this group of dads Mm -hmm. and what kind of support do you guys provide for each other? And what was it like to find that group of people? You know, in the book, I joke about it as almost like a, I wrote it like a romance novel Mm. because you're just so desperate for human interaction. And I think moms understand that, you know, the isolation and it's worse for dads on some parts of that. So, to find these guys and have a place where I could ask questions that didn't appear stupid nor creepy. For example, breastfeeding, I know it's a big deal with moms, but I'm there. I'm trying to help and I don't know what's happening. I don't have breasts, right? So, crack nipples are a thing that I was not aware of and my wife is crying and my daughter is crying. I don't know what to do. Who do I ask? To help with that because otherwise it sounds like I'm that someone needs to call the police because it's a weird question. Mm. But when I go to a dad's group, I can ask those questions and then get answers because guys have been through it. And it goes through everything. And is this a virtual group of people or this is people you're interacting with in person? In person. Actually, the way we run it is – and now my kids are in school, but we still get together. But play group every Wednesday. And then Adventure Fridays is where I'd set an adventure and we do that. Oh, tell us about that. What's an Adventure Friday So, Adventure Friday is we realized very early on that we didn't have to do the things the way that they've been traditionally done because Mm. we didn't like it. I love the library story time. That will always go. But, man, I hate the mom playground. That's some hardcore mom place and I don't like it. (laughs) You know, I felt my sperm count would just drop every time (laughs) I walked into there. But so, we started taking the kids to places that we wanted to go on Friday. And we've done everything from Civil War battlefields to graveyards, to the world's biggest ball of twine, just whatever we wanted to do. And, and the kids don't care, especially when they're young. You're the attraction as dad. Uh, Wherever you go, they're fun. That's an interesting tip that I think sometimes is a gender brain differential, mm-hmm. which is that women sometimes are like, we have to do it this way because it is our duty to keep our kids happy. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great offering from a dad's group of learning of like, kids especially when they're young, will come along to anything. So why not go explore something that you're interested in too? Yeah. They don't care. We took them to a uh, coffee factory huh. and we all made French press coffee. They hated it. We liked it, but it was, yeah, I think with moms, there is that expectation that is put on them and it's so high. And as a dad, I have no expectation on me oh. to keep them alive. And that's true. So I never had to fall into that. That's really interesting. The expectations are lower, which can be insulting, but there's also freedom in that, isn't there? 
Very much. Mm -hmm. And I think the takeaway, because I had my first kid at 36, and so I had been a very independent, like, out there in the world, having fun person. And I remember like, okay, I have to stop being that person and now be the person who enjoys going to the mall playground. Yes. Oh. And it's interesting to me that you saw that and you were like, I don't enjoy this. I have to change it. And I yeah. saw that and I was sort of like, I guess this is my destiny now. And I sat down and <laughs> no. drank Coke out of a paper <laughs> cup and just was miserable. That's it. Right. And I say this in the book. There was a, I was at the mall playground. What ended it for me? One of the Wolfpack moms came by. And if you're part of that group, it's awesome because you're kind of like the studs, right? Mm. But I got sat on. Like they sat on my arm, like physically sat on my arm and didn't notice it. And I freaked out for about 10 seconds because I'm like, someone's going to call the cops on me and I haven't done anything, but I'm she's on my arm. And so mm. I didn't even register to some of those people. And that was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> wow. It's interesting because that invisibility is another theme of being a parent. But yes. the invisibility of the mom is different than the invisibility of the dad. It is. And I've also been lucky to see the other side of it. In the book, I call them Good Witch Glendas. They are the ones that just take you under their wing and show you how it's done and treat you like a normal person and give you so much help. And most moms, 99% of them are like that. And I love those people. They're so helpful. Do you think the pandemic was different for stay-at-home dads than stay-at-home moms? Was it equally horrible? <laughs> Probably yes, but I'm curious. I mean, it was horrible, let's be honest. But was it equally horrible? What kind of bad was it? I think it was, honestly, from my standpoint, it was equal. Because the things that they were going through in every podcast I listened to or talked that they were going through, I was too. I had three kids in three different grades. I had a high schooler, a middle schooler, and a, and a second grader. So I'm doing all the teaching while my wife is upstairs working. And all the spaces that I had in the house that were mine are just gone. Just poof. We just did an episode about that called A Room yep. of One's Own. We said the women's space, but it's the parent, the non-working person's space. Yes. Becomes completely fungible while everybody else's priorities double and become much more important. Yes. And I listened to that episode and I was like, they get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like I said, I feel a lot of the same things that stay-at-home moms do. I also want to talk about branding with you, Shannon, because like Adventure Fridays, I'm a big brander. Like, just call it a cool name and the kids will roll with it. So, Adventure Fridays, you also rebranded in your book, The Diaper Bag, as an adventure bag. Tell us about that and what should go inside. Yes. So, a diaper bag is what your wife carries around. It's, you know, lime green leather, something like that. A lot of zippers, <laughs> place for makeup. And dads don't need that, right? And I think with your own, with new dads, like 13 years in, I don't care. I'll carry a plastic sag now. But with new dads, it does. It kind of helps you set your identity. So you change it from a diaper bag to an adventure bag. And this is your bag. You don't share this bag. You don't give this away. No one gets to pack it but you. So to pack it, and here's again where the expectations help out because I have none on me. Diapers, wipes, all those things you would normally do, butt paste, those things, kinds of things. But I have found that if I keep a multi-use tool and a small roll of duct tape in there as well, those have saved me many times. I can repair a toy. If that last tab on the diaper breaks and it's my last diaper, I got duct tape right there. I've legit fixed a grocery cart with those tools and made my life easier. So that's what a dad should pack, plus a changing pad, because half the places you go aren't going to have a changing table. That's right. There's nowhere for you to change your baby. I want to take a break. And when we come back, talk a little bit more about this idea of expectations. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. We're back with Shannon Carpenter, the author of The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad, your essential manual for being an awesome full-time father. One of the things we talk about a lot and you address in the book, I want someone else to do it, but I want them to do it in the right way, which is my exact way. Yes. Really the only acceptable way, the way I do or it. Or I want them to want to do it, right? I want them to set the table and I want them to enjoy it and not give me a hard right. time about it either. So how did this play out? Was this an issue for you and your wife in the beginning in terms of like, I'm going to run with this? And how did she react to that concept? So I advise every stay-at-home dad, and I've been doing this for years and years before I bought the book, is get your job description in writing. And I know it sounds like a joke, you know, mm. but I'm, I'm like, I mean, down to the T of what it looks like. Anyone who has ever created the I'm going away binder knows (laughs) about putting someone's job in writing. It's true. My first one was like 17 pages long for one baby for two days. You know what, though? But it sets those expectations from the start. And my wife and I didn't do that. And so there are certain things that I did differently that she didn't like. And there are certain things that she did for she doesn't like the way I vacuum. Right. So how do you vacuum? (laughs) A normal, I don't know. <laughs> I just vacuum. Oh, Shannon, I Shannon, don't, there is no normal I know. vacuuming. Please, how dare you? You know, to put it in dad terms, I vacuum like I mow the yard in straight lines and I get the nice little cuts, right? Okay. Sounds good to me. 
You can come vacuum in my house any day. Yeah. Well, I didn't like the way my wife didn't vacuum. And that was the <laughs> place we had conflict. But we learned to set the expectations, to know what the other expects. And then she had to learn that just because my way is different does not mean it's wrong. And I had to learn to back up and not try to rescue her when she was with the kids or in the house because it was very much my nature to do that. And that took us a couple of years to figure out to have that mutual level of trust and, and, and respect, I think. you know, That was actually one of the rockier moments, I think, of the whole thing. And what did those conversations look like? Are you sitting down once and then kind of going through the day-to-day, or did you really just keep bumping into it and bouncing off of it and going a different direction? You know, it's one of those things that it started out just kind of little comments here and little comments there. But my wife and I have always been very good at communicating. So we actually sit down and we talk it out and we come up. It's a business meeting. It's very weird. The only difference is, is if it's going to be an emotionally invested discussion, we hold hands because it's very hard to yell at somebody when you're holding their hand. (laughs) That is a really nice tip that I have never heard of before. Yeah, because it's you all heard it's not you versus your wife. It's you and your wife versus the problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amy always says same team. That's her hashtag yes. for talking to the, about tough stuff. But that, I really got a little uh, joy chill when you said that. Like, oh, Yay. hold hands when you talk about it. I've never thought of that. I'm, that's a big takeaway for me. I love that. And how often do you do these meetings? Are they sort of every six months we do it or is it as needed? In the beginning as a stay-at-home dad. So what you got to realize that you don't actually have a contract. You can leave anytime you want, <laughs> right? So we would evaluate it for the first year every three months of whether we wanted to still do this, what were the problems and what were the solutions. And we did that for a year and that switched to every six months. And then I remember that right when my daughter was about to go to kindergarten and I was talking to my wife, it's like, you know, we have a son, I have three children, but at the time we just had two and he wasn't too far away. And I said, what am I going to do when he goes to school? And my wife says, well, you're going to have to be home by three because you still have to take care of kids. (laughs) You know, she was totally bought into it. So now we still reevaluate every six months to a year. You know, it's easier. I think what's interesting about that too is that This is something that my husband and I have started doing much later because we didn't have the big presentational thing like, well, we're going to make this decision for the man to stay home. That's kind of different. And therefore, we have to evaluate it. This is good advice for all people because my husband and I, we've had a crazy summer because of work emergencies and other things that have come up and coming out of COVID. We've had a crazy time. And I just said to him, we need to sit down and have, now we'll be holding hands through it. This meeting. But I said, we need to sit down and have a family meeting, you know, which we mean the two of us sit down and just talk because yeah. life and especially family life with your spouse is such a runaway train. Like you're always chasing it. It's always going wrong. And we always say our mode is angry coworkers at the daycare. Like, it's like we just have nothing left between us. But like, did you put a banana in there? He doesn't like bananas. Like when we are in that mode where we're just only in the bad place. And I think this idea of meetings and making the time is something that we skip. I think so, too. And even in all our dads do this in my third in my little group, we call us the five families. But. (laughs) We, my wife and I sit down on Sunday night, usually in bed by alone, get out the phones, go over the schedule, 
go over what we're doing this week, my responsibilities, her responsibilities. And especially as the book stuff has taken off, my mental warehouse is getting a little full. And so she's picked up some things now. So that actually helps out. And my kids are, I have a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, an 8-year-old. They've actually picked up a lot of the pace here. And that makes me feel good. I have a good team. I have a good team at home. I have a hack for that too, for people listening. We started in the midst of all this craziness. We put our to-do list, the whole family to-do list in a Google document. And so it says who's doing it. And then we both check it every day and you just add stuff because I don't want to call him 10 times a day when he's traveling for work and being like, I need you to remember this one needs orthodontia and you have that number. And so we do a Google Doc. We're both in it and out of it all day and just checking it. I've got that from you, Amy, because yeah. that's how you and I work. Yeah, it's a great idea. Central repository. It's actually genius because I know in the parenting world, in the mom and dads, it's who carries the mental load of parenting. Yes. Right. And how do you share that? And I think that's the answer. That's fantastic. I'm going to use it. You offload some of it. Yeah. I have a related question about that because, of course, like when the school nurse calls, they're going to call the default parent. The default parent is presumed to be the mom. Right. So how have you and your wife dealt with that? The presumption that the person setting up the play dates and signing the permission slips has to be the mom. Well, first off, I want to give a shout out to Donna the secretary at my school (laughs) that I have known for 12 years now, because as a dad, you have to be vetted. Like you have to show up and say, call me first. You have to do that all the time. So when Donna retires, I'm going to her retirement party. Mm. Like I've known her a long time. So they always call me now for school, but it's only after I've made myself known and aware. The doctor's office is a little bit different that I have to change or I have to give them the speech every time there's a new receptionist. Yeah. It's like, don't call mom, call me. And I have to make sure that they know that. And what is the speech? And do you get resistance or is it like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, what is there? (laughs) No, I've had, they've asked me what I've done. And this is the one that stung. And just for the drama, but never her happens like this all that much. They asked me what I did. I said, well, I'm a stay-at-home dad. She goes, oh, you're unemployed. And I was like, oh, no. No, Let's (laughs) try that again. Different. (laughs) It's like, no, I take care of the kids. Most of the times they're like, okay, no problem. But then they'll still call my wife half the time. So it occurs to me they've changed. I mean, I've been filling out school forms for a long time. When my oldest was little, it was like mother, father, right? Now it's parent one, parent two. And, and then there's a room for a guardian and there's room for a step parent, a second household. They're being very broad minded about that as they should be. But I, there needs to be a box for like, which is the parent that we call? Yeah. Like, just tell us, right? Who is the grown up, <laughs> the default grown up in this family unit? Because it isn't necessarily the mother or the father or whatever. It's time to broaden. I would check that box. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think this is something that's shifting, but it's also so notable in the last presidential election that all of the female candidates were being asked, who's going to take care of your kids? Yes. Anyone with young kids, there was never a question. You don't ask the dad, like, well, how are you going to do this? It seems really hard. Obama had really young kids when he was running for president. And that's true. My wife and I have talked about this a great deal because I have a daughter or two. And when she had the baby, they asked her, are you coming back to work? When I had the baby, no one ever asked mm, me that. You know? Right. And it's, it, you should. Yeah. You stay at home dad's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the dad house pod. So this goes, we started this podcast, me and the, and the guys that I've been with Playgroup for a decade. We decided that dads needed better advice and there just wasn't enough out there. And it wasn't very good advice and it was condescending. And honestly, it's a sore spot. It makes me mad because some of the things I'm told are just stupid. 
And they just are. It's, you know, make sure you feed the baby. I'm just like, yeah, I got that. I, I know to do that. <laughs> you know? Do not hold the baby upside down by one foot. I know. Okay. On it. It's like, I need to know how to cook with a toddler trying to punch me and a baby throwing up on me. That's what I need to know. Yeah. I need to know where to right. go in the world. So we started the podcast as a way to give fathers that real world advice that is not filled with those platitudes you hear men give each other, you know, take one for the team and suck it up and all that. So on that podcast, we talk about some silly things like water heaters. I don't know how we made that funny, but it did. But then we give real advice like, you know, take the 3 a.m. feeding when you have a newborn. Mm. Always. That should be dad's time at the 3 a.m. feeding. And we tell you why. So we try to help dads out that way. That's awesome. Well, we've gotten a lot of great advice from you today. Tell everyone listening where they can find your book and where they can find you. You can find my book wherever you buy books. You can find me at shannoncarpenterauthor.com if you want some of my best of parenting satire, which given the last year really came out flowing. <laughs> You've got a lot of material. <laughs> a lot of anger there. And then, of course, Twitter at uh, Hossman at Home uh, is my Twitter handle. That's my nickname is Hossman. So there we go. That's how you find me. Awesome. All right. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. Shannon's new book is The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad, Your Essential Manual for Being an Awesome Full-Time Father. Clearly, you are that. Shannon, thanks for talking to us. This was a great conversation. Thank you for having me, everybody. I loved it. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.